Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Cotton Grow Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. According to USDA, we're just past the halfway point of this year's cotton harvest. There's obviously several more weeks of long days and nights ahead for cotton growers. And the same goes for Jenners, some of whom are already kicking into 24-hour shifts. It's that time of year when the biggest cotton news of the day literally is how fast growers can get this crop out and all while keeping their eyes on the markets. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, what's new? Oh, not much. Just to uh, echo what you're saying, uh, I follow in social media, I'm seeing more and more growers finishing up crops, uh, you know, tweeting the last last rows being picked or finishing peanuts up and moving on in to well into cotton. So looks like a lot of progress is getting made. Sounds good. Well, you know, if you're, if you're a regular listener and you follow this podcast religiously, and, and we certainly hope you are, uh, we're just a few days late with this episode, primarily because we're going to look at the current state of the cotton industry from a slightly different perspective. And we needed a few industry announcements and some reports to drop this week before our guest could get his calendar cleared. Jim Nunn, who's owner of Nunn Cotton Company in Brownsville, Tennessee, and, and a good friend of the Cotton Companion, is going to join us in the virtual studio in just a few minutes to discuss uh, some of the highs, lows, and challenges of today's market from a, uh, a broker's perspective. And we hope you'll stay with us for that segment. But first, a few news items from the industry. Frank? Speaking of crop progress, let's take a look at the uh, USDA report for the week ending November 7th. It is no longer providing crop conditions, but that likely doesn't matter considering the rate at which harvest is can, uh, currently progressing. First of all, the report showed that 98% of all cotton bowls are now open. That's right on the five-year average for the week with 11 states on or above the respect, their respective averages. For the second consecutive week, harvest numbers showed a 10 percentage point increase with 55% of the U.S. crop now harvested, just two percentage points behind the five-year average and climbing fast. In all, 11 of the 15 cotton producing states showed double-digit increases of their own. Now moving on to news from BASF, it is now accepting applications for its Fibermax One-Ton Club and Stoneville Legacy Club which recognize Fibermax and Stoneville cotton growers dedicated to growing high quality, high yielding cotton. To qualify for the one ton club, growers must produce a minimum of 2000 pounds of gin cotton per acre on a minimum of 20 acres planted with 100% Fibermax cotton from January 1st to December 31st, 2021. Cotton acreage can be either irrigated or dry land and growers must provide gin recap sheets and qualification forms to verify the yields. Application deadline is February 28, 2022. Qualifying growers who attend the One Tub Club Banquet in Lubbock in early April, April can also enter for a chance to win a two-year lease on a Ford Super Duty F-350 King Ranch truck. To apply for the Stoneville Legacy Club, growers must plant Stoneville cotton on a minimum of 20 acres from January 1st to December 31st, 2021. There are two divisions, 
one for irrigated acres and one for non-irrigated land. Growers must provide a complete gen recap sheet and qualification forms to verify yield. Both clubs are open to growers in all cotton producing states and an online application is available on both the FiberMax and Stonewall websites. You can also find links to those sites and other program details in our article on cottongrower.com. Frank, let me, let me jump in here real quick because I just noticed one, one piece of information is missing in this. The application deadline for the Stoneville Legacy Club uh, is January 31st of 2022. So uh, keep, that, keep that number in mind too if you're interested in, in applying for the, uh, for the club this year. Great, great. Thanks, Jim. And finally, the Ralph Lauren Corporate Foundation and the Soil Health Institute have announced the launch of the Institute's U.S. Regenerative Cotton Fund, or USRCF, a new science-based initiative to support long-term sustainable cotton production in the United States. The program's goal is to eliminate 1 million metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent from the atmosphere by 2026. The program is supported by a $5 million grant from Ralph Lauren Corporate Foundation and will work to unite the interests of farmers, partners, and financial supporters around soil health as the foundation for regenerative agriculture. Program operations managed by the Soil Health Institute will begin in Arkansas, Texas, Mississippi, and Georgia with plans to expand into Alabama, North Carolina, Missouri, California, and Oklahoma. Those nine states represent 85% of U.S. cotton production. Shortly following the announcement, the program was recognized as an innovation spirit partner in the Agriculture Innovation Mission for Climate. It's an initiative supported by more than 30 world governments for its investment in agricultural innovation for climate smart agriculture and food systems over the next five years. You can find more details about this new initiative at cottongrower.com. Well, now it's time to open the doors of the virtual studio and, and bring in Jim Nunn, who's owner of Nunn Cotton Company in beautiful downtown Brownsville, Tennessee. Jim, it's been a while since you joined us. Welcome back to the Cotton Companion. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. First of all, you're sitting in one of the uh, primary cotton production areas of Tennessee. And just out of, out of curiosity, how's harvest progressing in your area and kind of what are you seeing and hearing from growers up there? Well, uh, here we are on the 11th of November. It's, a, uh, it's been a rainy morning here. We've had uh, anywhere from a quarter to a half inch around West Tennessee. Other areas have had more or less. Uh, I would, I'm going to say we're probably somewhere 65, 75% uh, harvested. Uh, yields for the most part have been better than expected. Uh, I've heard uh, dryland yields anywhere from a bale to uh, over 1,500 pounds. Uh, of course, some of the, the uh, these better yields are on land that's been rotated in, uh, into corn or soybeans in recent years. And uh, but yeah, I think most most farmers are in that 1,000 1,100 pound yield uh, area with some variations up and down from there. But I think most people are very pleased with that. We're hearing good reports over northeast Arkansas. Record yields, uh, you know, 1,700, 1,800 pound uh, crops across the board for some some growers. Uh, some some areas are not quite that high, but I think for the most part, everyone is very pleased. Uh, looking back at the crop we had the first of August, 
we felt it had potential, but we really didn't think it was going to be quite like this. Uh, I think our uh, seed companies need to be commended for uh, the work they've done. And of course, we have uh, the technology today and we have farmers who put a good bit of effort into trying to make a crop, save a crop, spend uh, what is necessary to, to make the yields. And I think they've done that. And I think most farmers are uh, very thankful and grateful uh, for what crops they produce this year. And of course, the higher prices make them feel better uh, as well. Yeah, definitely. Any preliminary word on what quality looks like? All the yields, uh, quality is good. Uh, getting some contract cotton in, you'll see an occasional 42 or 51 in there. But for the most part, you know, you've got a, a 41 and 31 crop, different areas with different varieties, uh, different growing conditions, you know, have different, you know, qualities. But I think here in West Tennessee, the, the quality is very, very good. And I'm seeing the same thing in other areas. Great. Well, from your, your perspective, your unique perspective as a, as a merchant, Tell us what it's like dealing with this cotton market today uh, with the great prices and, and what really appears, as, as you said, to be a bigger crop than maybe we anticipated earlier this year. Well, uh, just to clarify, I'm a broker. I buy from a broker, okay. And sell to merchants. So I, I'm in contact with both, both sides of the equation, you know, daily. Uh, I think the, the merchants are concerned about the invert that we have between the December contract and the March contract. Today, the spread uh, traded and closed uh, just shy of 300-plus points. We've seen it early in the week uh, trade higher than that. And uh, the merchants are concerned about the, the large, outstanding number of mill fixations to be done in the next uh, seven trading days. More, you have option expiration. You have a, a huge amount of in-the-money uh, calls on the December contract, how's that gonna affect us tomorrow and going into next week? Uh, if those long calls, uh, exercise those calls, you're gonna have a large volume of uh, new trades coming in. And then you've got uh, these mill fixations that are gonna to have to come against it. And uh, will, are these mills gonna fix here at $1.18 uh, on, on December? Or are they going to roll the dice another seven days and hope it goes back down below a dollar ten? Are they going to fix it a dollar twenty or, or higher? It's, you know, we hear those things. The merchants are afraid of their, their mill customers being under uh, uh, pressure to do things. Uh, farmers are happy. You know, they're seeing these prices. Uh, growers are calling me, asking me what to do with with the cotton they they do not have sold. Uh, you know, recap prices bids are very very strong. Uh, considering the invert, uh, the trade is buying off of March, but you see prices that are very strong uh, basis March. And, uh, you know, I, I have a couple of merchants who are buying gin run bales. Guy calls up and sell 500 bales or 200 bales. They'll give us the price and buy it because they feel uh, comfortable with the qualities that they're seeing out of the Mid-South, uh, not only in terms of uh, color and leaf, but also in, in strength and, and, and staple and uniformity. So it's, it's looking, shaping up to be a good year for everybody all around at this point. Yes, yes. I think generally speaking, you know, growers are happy with the yields they've had, the quality they had. And if they uh, weren't heavily sold, they're enjoying these higher prices. And if they have something less, they're, 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 uh, they're glad to have more cotton to sell. Absolutely. Now, we've, we've heard and, and even we've reported some on, on all these supply chain issues over the last, uh, last several months. Obviously, most of it seems to be focused on the import side with ships trying to come in. 
uh, difficulty getting them docked and unloaded. Most of the cotton that you work with, is that going domestic or is it going offshore? And uh, what kind of challenges are you seeing or are you hearing from, from some of the folks you work with? Well, uh, most of the cotton in this area is going to export. Your mills, for the most part, uh, they're, they're getting their uh, supplies out of the southeast for lo logistical reasons, too. It's closer to, to, to truck it uh, to a mill in North Carolina or South Carolina from the Carolinas or Georgia than it is from over here. And it, we don't have the backhauls like we used to have uh, in a previous generation because, you know, we've seen manufacturing leave the U.S. Uh, but you know, there are issues with containers, uh, issues with trucks. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, uh, things going on in addition to the logistics of moving the crop that we're seeing bog things down here. Uh, gins uh, complain about uh, not getting a lot of classing on time, not like what they're used to. Classing office having some, some uh, labor issues like everyone else. Gens are having issues with labor. I uh, spoke with someone um, just the other day and he had two quit his night shift. And then I found out this morning he had another one quit his night shift. So, you know, he's lost, you know, 40% of his people, you know, working on the night shift or a third of them. So you're looking at those, those issues too. Uh, uh, farmers are seeing the same issues on the farm with, with labor. And I guess with the, the move to, uh, module pickers uh, from basket pickers, we don't see quite as big a labor issue out there, but people are still having uh, labor issues with people coming to work. I know one gen owner told me a couple of weeks ago that uh, he had a truck driver tell him on Friday afternoon, he'd see him on Monday. He said that would have never happened in the past. So he said, what do I do? Fire him, and, but I'll need him on Monday. So we're seeing a lot of different labor issues out there at the gen level, at the farm level, we're seeing it. Uh, truckers trying to get people to uh, drive trucks to pick up cargo, take it to uh, to uh, the container yards in Memphis or wherever they're going with it, and uh, you know hopefully in another year we'll have that so this some of these problems solved. But Jim, you know we, you you mentioned that growers are happy with this dollar cotton and beyond. Are you starting to see any weakening uh, in demand for cotton or shifts over to polyester? Or what's you know, what's the crystal ball say in that regard? Well, some of the things I read, uh, one analyst in particular is talking about how uh, the polyester price has not gone up with cotton. So we're gonna see in, in, in certain textile markets, probably a higher percentage of polyester in the blends. I think we're seeing too that uh, the consumer wants more cotton. They're looking at sustainable type cottons. You know, we're seeing uh, the Better Cotton Initiative is growing. We're seeing the National Cotton Council with the Trust Protocol uh, program they have. Uh, growers are signing up. We're seeing interest in both those programs from uh, textile manufacturers. As the consumer is asking, how was this, this crop produced? Uh, uh, is it a sustainable crop? And are the uh, farmers doing a better job in managing their resources? using less water, less fertilizer, less pesticides to, to uh, raise the crop and uh, protect our environment. Sounds good. Now, we've heard some economists say over the last month or so that uh, this, this level of demand and, and these higher prices may be with us for quite a while. Uh, what, are you, what, are you, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that statement? Well, I think that it's going to be hard for the markets to go down a whole lot unless we have some type of political uh, 
action happened. And, you know, we, we can talk about China and t- Taiwan or the U.S. and, and the, the, the weak uh, labor situation in Western China. Uh, I think prices will stay up here. One thing that, that, that encourages me listening to some of the people I listen to is that the Chinese are releasing uh, another 600,000 metric tons. They announced that uh, day before yesterday uh, to, for their meals to buy. Yeah, only the mills, not traders. So they they will uh, they've already released some more bales earlier in the, in, in the uh, this marketing year. Uh, we've seen them uh, uh, have a quota for uh, internal stocks. So we're we're seeing that demand there is good. Uh, we keep hearing talk uh, some rumors that maybe the Chinese crop is not as large as it uh, is believed to be. We don't know that, but uh, I think you're going to see the demand here. And if the Chinese sell this 2.6 or 2.7 million bales on the reserve, then they're going to have to replace it. And uh, will they replace it in the 2021-22 crop year, or will they wait until the 22-23 crop and start buying uh, supplies out of the U.S. and Brazil predominantly uh, in the summer of 2022 and the fall of 2022, which should be supportive for uh, new crop prices? All right. Well, Jim, I tell you, with that, I think we're going to call time on this, uh, let you get back to your real business and moving some cotton around. And uh, again, thanks for joining us on, on the Cotton Companion. Uh, we appreciate your time. And, you know, one of these days, I am going to get over to Brownsville. We'll come to Brownsville barbecue. Uh, okay. We can, we, can, we can make that happen. Bring Frank with you. Well, we got to get him up, we got to get him up here. Well, well what the, the winner of the game Saturday – We'll buy lunch for us. <laughs> hey, I, that sounds like a deal. That sounds like a deal. <laughs> sounds great. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. All right, y'all have a good day. Thank you, Jim. Go ball. Absolutely. Go dogs. Bye, Cotton. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. A special thanks again to Jim Nunn and, as always, to you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion Please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Here's how you can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, Sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Cotton Companion Podcast comes to you twice monthly. It was produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made it for him.